Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm not saying that y'all should go easy on me and this movie because I had my booster yesterday and I'm running on three to four hours of sleep. But if you dare criticize this movie, I'm going to be so mildly disappointed about it, I guess. I mean, I'm Alex. And I'm Britton, stealing myself for the sh- shaking head of my dear friend Alex. <laughs> um, hi, yeah, guys. Um, happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. It's been a minute, much like the Queens and Kings of Old. That's true. Uh, we have returned to Narnia uh, after a long absence. Yes, our listeners blew their podcast horns, and mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. came in through train magic. Yeah. And we're because whatever, I guess. And uh, here we are. Yeah. Thank you guys for bearing with us. A lot of scheduling snafus, holiday and post holiday weirdness kept us off the off the airwaves last week. But we're back and we're better than ever. The man can't keep us down for long. Not at all. Look, when we get to the end of this, I watched like 10 movies in the last week and a half. We'll do a speed. We'll we'll compensate. Okay. (laughs) You'll get like you'll get like fifteen movie reviews in one episode. Don't don't save it for the piece a piecemeal throughout the next few weeks, because <laughs> otherwise look, next week you'd be like, I saw a commercial I like. Look, Peter it's a Dinklage New Year's resolution. I I can keep up this pace of like ten movies a week. That's true. I believe in you. That's totally feasible. Though I do want to hear the commercials you like. I actually <laughs> there I have seen a commercial I liked. Okay. Say. That specifically came to mind. It's like a good commercial. Maybe I'll recommend that commercial. Probably not. But <laughs> as as we'll someone who's as someone who's too cheap to purchase Spotify Premium, yeah. Literally every commercial that pops up aggravates me to no sure. end. And I'm immediately that's like, mute. <laughs> hello, YouTube. Um Hello yeah. YouTube. You won't let us be on you. Um Wow, that's the way oh. I chose to phrase that. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to decide that, YouTube. Frankly, that's your choice. Um, I don't like this. <laughs> Tyler, what movie are we watching? Do we watch this week? <laughs> we're, we're talking about uh, the decidedly PG. Uh, yes. Is it PG or is it PG-13, actually? It's, it's PG. It must be PG. I don't know. There's, there could be, they could get some in, some intense scenes of action, that, that sort of descriptor going on. PG-13 is it's a... yeah. It's a fine line to balance. Um, we are talking about Prince Caspian uh, from, I, I guess the full title is The Chronicles of Narnia. Just Prince Caspian? What is, yeah, Prince what is Caspian. the name Correct. of this? Okay. That's weird that Chronicles there's not Chronicles of like... Narnia, Prince Caspian. How, how, how do we go from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? The next episode will be The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and the middle episode is just Prince Caspian, <laughs> not like the re- the return of Prince Caspian or the yeah. the. I was gonna say I feel like this series with these three names, these varied names, they've actually avoided all of the pitfalls that normally happen with these franchises. They didn't use rise. They didn't it's use true. return. They didn't true. use resurrections. Well, th- we just have to thank. They all didn't use the... No Way Home, the most overused title. <laughs> Okay, um, we just have Charles <laughs> Schultz Lewis to thank for that, uh, for keeping it fresh way back in <laughs> whenever the nineteen the eighties whenever they wrote these. Um. <laughs> yeah, fun fun fact: his name is actually uh, Caspian Susan Lewis. 
Oh, because he named he named himself after his ship, after his head cannon, <laughs> his OTP. Now, Clive Staples is pretty good, but listen, my, I stand these two. My my signature is just that meme of the bald headed man pushing two people together, saying "now kiss." <laughs> you know, you can just make it canon, Clive. They're your character. No, no, no. OTP, OTP. Don't flame me over here. We we have an energy. Uh, yep. This week, that I'm sure will be helped by uh, Britain. I believe you have a special guest. We yes, I do. He is, of course, back. You know, this movie introduces a character who Susan or Lucy just decides to refer to as their DLF, which sounds real PG-13. Um, their dear little friend, and I have my own dear little friend, and his name is Mark Zuckerberg. Mark, come on in here. Hey. Hey, Mark. Uh, hope you had a good good holiday. I see you've got a nice new, is that a new scarf? Or Yeah, yeah it's brand new. Thanks. Uh, yeah, did, did, I guess you got it for Christmas, probably. Yeah, I won it in a church raffle. And there's that. Okay. So, um, uh, anyway, ask me about my walk. I will not, but I will ask you to uh, please read this synopsis for the movie so that everybody kind of gets on the same page. And uh, just please don't talk about the final moment in the big battle, Mark, because I, I know you that one had you really... Uh, hooting and hollering. <laughs> sure did. Okay. One year after their previous adventure, the Pevensey children return to the magical land of Narnia and find that 1,300 years have passed there. War has come to Narnia once again, and the children join forces with Prince Caspian to overthrow the evil King Miraz and restore peace to the land. This, that George R. R. Martin stuff I've heard so much about. Okay. Uh, well, Mark, thank you um, for doing that. And you don't need to wear the scarf indoors, buddy, but you do you. And I don't have an exit line. So, bye. Bye. Wait, actually, Mark, real quick. What did you get for you? Wait, Mark, come on. Huh? Yeah. What did you get your family for Christmas? Well, first of all, I didn't get them everything. Okay. That's, I go on, go on. <laughs> a little inside baseball. You know, he's, he's, he's a character. He's just, he always has something interesting to say. He's always got business. That's what I like about him. <laughs> he's always got one of his kooky, get rich, quick schemes. <laughs> always getting this into scraps. And they just, you know, they never pan out. They really one of these don't. days. Maybe. That's why he's living with me. <laughs> one of them will land eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This is the this is the twist the mid the mid season twist where we reveal that Britain's actually living in a uh, alternate or perhaps past timeline, mm. um, something of that effect, and we only ever connect over this magical Skype. Yeah, it's it's like, like the magic train. This this <laughs> Skype is our Narnia. <laughs> this this whole this whole podcast for the past several years has been a backdoor prequel to the Social Network. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was just too busy thinking about just the, the multiverse timelines. Do you guys know about multiverses? And Terminators and Key? Metaverses? Metaverses. Mm. Uh, more are coming through. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
just going to find something to web. Alex, wh- <laughs> <laughs> what is your best thing and worst thing about? Oh, or did you get the numbers? Yeah, do, the, do, the, do the thing. Talk, just take, take over for the next 10 minutes, uh, please. Yeah. 10 minutes. That's all right. That's a lot to ask of me, but okay. I'll try my best. For, for Prince uh, Caspian, of you seem excited about it. Yeah, you're the Look, fan. Prince Caspian, it's a it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful film that has a sixty-six percent score on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and a seven that was the critic score and a seventy-three percent audience score. And it's from two thousand eight, directed by Andrew Adamson once again. So that had to be like four verging on five minutes, right? <laughs> um, I have actually not come up with a best or a worst thing yet. So I'm going to let both of you go first and then I'll come up with something. Okay. Tyler, do you have something? Do you want to start or shall I? Is that me? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, just, uh, I, I wasn't nuts about it. It didn't work totally on me. I was surprised. I saw it in theaters and I'm surprised how little of it I remembered. Hmm. Um, which was kind of cool because I got to take it all in. Um, I'm going to say it's tough picking like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I have a prevailing, like, this is my worst thing, but I, I will just say, I feel like there's some iffiness with some of the Pevensey, just the Pevenseys. By which I mean, I feel like Edmund and Lucy don't get enough to do, but I still enjoyed them in the movie, and I liked what they got to do. I just feel like we didn't get enough. I actually thought Edmund was really good in this, and I wanted more of him. Um, There's some nice character stuff with him, and there's some good comedy. I felt like Peter and Susan, I felt like the performances were a little more lacking from the previous movie. I feel like they do get more to do, and I like the idea for, I like the premise of Peter's character in this, because I don't like Peter very much in this movie, but I like that. I like that he is... With him, you most get the idea, the, the, the sense of this is an adult king who is now in a teenager's body again and living a teenager's life and doesn't like that he isn't still in charge of everything. And I like that that carries through into Narnia. I, I, but right. I, I kind of wanted the movie to maybe dig into that a little more. And they do the characters do call him out on it. But I just feel like Susan was just kind of there. Um, she does kill nine people. Mm-hmm. Maybe more, but definitely nine. I kept track. She takes nine human lives. <laughs> um, so let's just at this in this one the Pevensies do become murderers of people. I just want to point that out. They're Did not, they not kill anybody last time. I mean, like goblins and stuff. Yeah, like That's minotaurs. Scary. You know, they don't have souls. But uh-huh. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, they're not people that's a, that's a real tell marine uh that's point true, of view you yeah. got there britain they're all those feral bears out there um but yeah so <laughs> i guess just that which isn't really a thing my best thing i'm gonna say is the uh sort of seance i guess you would call it where a creepy werewolf and a turkey witch uh which we pointed out yes. in the last episode right, uh, right that that creature design is in uh the uh the last film right in the specifically the scene where Aslan sacrifices himself. Yeah. And it's like a practical effect. It looked like, and it's a great bit yeah. of makeup. It's a, it's a scene where these two creepy things and Warwick Davis are trying to tempt Prince Caspian to resurrect Jadis to fight the Telmarines. Um, and I don't know what in the, from this m- movie is and isn't in the book, but I liked that whole sequence because it was genuinely creepy um, the way that Aslan sacrifice scene in the last one was genuinely mm-hmm. 
unnerving. Like those creatures were really creepy. The dialogue was really creepy. And then the, I think the only blood in the movie is in this scene where they cut Caspian's hand. Uh, but it also culminates really nicely in Peter being tempted. And then Edmund like destroys the, the, the mirror ice wall thing that Jadis is looking at him through. And he says, I know you had it sorted, which was a great, a great moment of Edmund both chastising him, but also being like, no, I get it. <laughs> like it's, yeah, I get it. So I, I liked that whole sequence. I thought it, I thought that sequence was really effective. Um, a lot of the other, the rest of the movie I didn't. There is a a moment in the last battle that I want to talk about, yeah. because it is, it isn't, it is, it is insane to me that that this happens in a movie like this, um, and I'm excited to get to it. And I don't know if it's the best or a worst thing, but I just want to see that I need to talk about it at some yeah. point. A couple of points I wanted to touch on real quick there, Britain. Um, I have not read the books in at least a decade, maybe yeah. more. Uh, I do remember that the castle siege where they go and try and uh, basically fight uh, Miraz on his own uh, front door, mm-hmm. uh, that is exclusively in the movie. That's not in okay. the book. Mm-hmm. And I believe the seance is also exclusive to the movie. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. And I think both of those are actually key pivotal scenes that yeah. Yeah. actually do a lot for the story. No, for so it's interesting how, from what I remember, and I could be wrong, uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe is a far more straightforward, like, almost scene-to-scene adaptation. And, of course, they enhance the battles and such. Yeah. But this one has, like, full-on, a, a, you know, new scenes. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Because I could... The, the seance scene definitely feels like something that could be added to get the White Witch back. And that's a very movie thing to do. But I'm surprised the castle... Because, like you said, that castle each thing ends up being... It is a movie set piece, but it it ends up being really important to Peter's arc in the movie. Um, yeah. Or Pete, as Edmund calls him, in a very natural way. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, those are mine. I can go. Um, I think my my best thing, which I have to set very particular boundaries on before I start talking about things I don't like and my best thing, um, is I think the it's it's the big siege battle at the end <clears throat> i also really like the seance scene so could maybe broke that into this as well um but that uh going up to or start starting with the battle between pete and uh miraz uh who shows up in this like crazy dark souls looking armor. Uh, and it's pretty dope. Yeah, it's pretty good. And, uh, the face mask alone is amazing. Yes. Um, and they have a duel and then, uh, this gets into this whole siege that we'll probably talk about some more, but there's, there's really cool stuff. It It is a hundred percent, uh, pulling off of the Lord of the Rings style of, big epic battle where you've got all these big war machinations of catapults and uh, crazy stuff going on. Um, but they do this really cool thing where they go underneath the the field and storm around and, and basically create a, a way for all the Telmarine armies to collapse into um, and like trap them. And they, they ride out from underneath the field behind them so that they've got like a pincher movement going on. Like they do all this crazy battle tactic stuff that looks really cool. It's, it's done effectively um the effects could probably be a little better in places but i'm not that concerned about 
a 2007 movie with probably like a fine budget, a moderate budget, if I had to guess. I I have not checked. Um, if anybody wants to look, I don't know what this versus the last movie the budget is like. Um, I think it was an increase, if I remember correctly, because this one didn't do nearly as well as the first one. Um, this one was uh, considered a disappointment, um, and that's why I think the book rights were sold to Fox, and that's why Don Treader isn't a Disney movie. Right. Gotcha. Um, Let me check on the budget real quick. $225 million Oh, wow. Is, uh, yeah. I remember this being a pretty sizable that's quite a lot <laughs> budget yeah <laughs> okay well anyway uh cool stuff in that third battle i think on its own a lot of that the battle first, just real quick the first one was 180 million and then don treader was 145 million hmm. fascinating okay well um according way, to google uh I think most of that third battle, and I would say kind of up to the point where Lucy talks to Aslan, talk about that. Um, I think that all uh, is really effective and kind of works on its own thing. I should say before I uh, get too much deeper into this, that I watched like 45 minutes of this movie uh, when we were still kind of maybe hoping that we could... uh, get out the episode last week and then realized that was not going to happen. And then I watched the rest of it like two nights ago. Uh, so my, my viewing was split across like two weeks. Um, so there might be certain threads and things that I'll have to ask you all to like, uh, brush me up on. But, uh, ultimately I think that section works kind of entirely on its own. Um, with me having kind of that maybe stilted viewing. I don't know if that impacted how I felt about it at all, but that, that piece, you could just put that in front of somebody and it's like, that's some cool action. Uh, I get what's happening. I get, you know, why the characters are fighting this way. It kind of works entirely on its own, just as a set piece. Uh, and I think it's pretty neat. So that is what I will say to that. Um, my worst thing is that it's too long. Uh, I think, I think again, going back to the Lord of the Rings stuff, uh, we talked about the sum in the last episode. This movie really, really feels like it's trying to harken back to that. And I think a lot of problems come up because it's trying to create this thing that feels like this big epic uh, saga that's carrying on from the threads of the first one uh, in a lot of ways that I that didn't really click for me. So yeah yeah uh we'll we'll get into more of what i feel i just think ultimately it's it's too long so <laughs> i would agree with that yeah i'm I'm definitely on the positive side of things uh like the ultra positive side of things i absolutely love this movie and i think it's a, a step up from uh line which in the wardrobe in virtually every way um we can circle back to uh kind of that that uh thought or discussion that we had last week about kind of the ambition of the the world and and mm-hmm. the length of the movie and and how much it's trying to build up this this huge scale um against what is relatively a simple story i think this one has a lot more to work from yeah. as compared to the last one so i think it's it, for me it just works a lot better in that regard uh 
my best thing is just going to be a single moment from the uh the third act um it's the bit where the catapults um uh cause the door at the front of aslan's how to uh collapse and it ends up killing some of the narnians and there's uh, the score starts to kick in, obviously, and, and once again, uh, th- this was also my best thing, because I think this was my best thing last week. Uh, Harry Grixon Williams' uh, Narnia theme starts to swell, mm-hmm. and there's a wonderful moment where uh, Caspian and Peter are kind of looking at each other, and they're... Once again, I, I think this this movie is filled with just a lot of moments of nonverbal, mo- you know, um, just kind of looks that, that characters give each other that tells me a lot. Um kind of like with the first one how we talked about peter when he's trying to take his uh his siblings away to the professor's um house and he sees all the soldiers and that kind of tells you a lot about his character there's just a wonderful moment where uh caspian and and peter just kind of look at each other of like okay i think we've kind of settled all of our differences we've got to we we have to stand and fight and then like everyone just like dramatically charges and it's genuinely goosebump inducing every time i watch it and it's just absolutely wonderful. Um, give me more of that score. I don't even care if it's a Narnia movie. Just give me that dang score. Um, so yeah, that's my best thing. And as of right now, I don't have a worse thing. That is subject to change. I was having a hard time coming up with a distinct element that bothered me. Because um, I, I I think it all just works. And this... To me, this is kind of like the epitome of what I would want from from a quote-unquote a family film, where I think this almost works on a Star Wars level for me, where it's like, it, I think it functions for all ages um, in terms of kind of the ambition and thematically what it's trying to say, and, you know, there's, there's pretty solid acting all around, the special effects are up to par, um, at least for 2008 they're up to par, <laughs> um, yeah, for me everything just kind of works. I definitely wonder, there are a few points there where I thought that Aslan looked a little more cartoony. And I don't know, and part of this is I was watching the previous one on a DVD and this one on Disney Plus. So like, I don't know if it's just a, you know, I don't know if it's a technology thing based on how they've been remastered or not. But there were some times where it felt like the animal characters looked, except for Truffle Hunter, the badger, um, where like Reaper Cheap, who was a weird size, there I said it. And Aslan, there were times where they seemed, they, they looked a little, I don't know. They looked a little too CGI for my tastes. Um, sure. But again, I think a lot of that is also just when it was made. And as I was watching, I was like, it's probably about the same as the previous movie though. <laughs> like <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, trees are, are, are do it in this one. <sighs> so we talked about, this is not the moment I was talking about, but I do want to talk about it. We mentioned how the last movie really wanted to be Lord of the Rings, and this one carries that through. Down to literally having trees join a fight. <laughs> because early on in the movie, Lucy's like, oh, the trees, you know, are alive and they're a part of the kingdom. And like, oh, the trees haven't been doing anything for a while because Aslan's been gone and you've been gone. And then at the end, when Lucy tells, finds Aslan and. Aslan's like, I think it's time that your friends awoke for the first time in a long time. And he roars. And then literally a bunch of trees walking on their roots just, like, end up in the fight, like, using their roots to, uh, like, spear through the ground and impale people and do all these crazy... And it's cool, but uh, it, I, I don't know. I found myself so distracted by the fact that they're trying to do the Ents <laughs> that, like, 
it felt not i don't know I, there's also a part where one of the trees does die um and not with fire that it can put it out by dousing its head in a river <laughs> but um they just like it gets splintered by one of the trebuchet rocks i don't know yeah. that whole thing was just kind of a little i, ha- I found it a little harder to suspend my disbelief at that point yeah, that that stuff didn't really bother me, and I, I think that's. I mean, I might just be just knowing that uh, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were friends. So sure, it's like, sure, of course, sure. they're going to trade similar ideas, and the worlds are going to have their um, kind of commonalities. Yeah. Uh, but I think the specifically the visual of them using roots. Yeah, like that, that, that's a cool using idea. Roots yeah. to like shoot through the ground. I don't know. I thought that was visually different enough from the Ents. Where oh, it, certainly. It didn't, bother me at all and i think some of that also came from me not knowing what was kind of like father christmas in the last movie like is this just a weird thing that's in the book and that's just they're just doing it and there we are or is this like is this because it's very different to me if it's like oh there are trees in the books and so they they do this in the book okay cool well that's just the way it is and the movie people going we got to make this like lord of the rings so this is our two towers so we have to have trees in the big fight that to me is a more annoying conversation then oh i guess we'll use trees because they're in the book <laughs> you know which i yeah. I think i would feel about Santa. well i don't know santa is so crazy that i'm fine with it anyway <laughs> but yeah i think I, it would i think it would be more of an issue if they hadn't set it up earlier true, true. um it, if it just came out of nowhere then it would be like oh you guys all right that's that's a thing lucy <laughs> don't worry i haven't activated my summoning gym yet and i have <laughs> i have the wisdom of the wood summon spell <laughs> if i text a tree beard emoji to this number <laughs> yeah um yeah i so that doesn't really bother me at all and i think there's some neat stuff i like the moment where uh a character who we'll have to talk about because i'm kind of confused by him and alex maybe you can fill in some details for me that i just like did not connect in my separate viewings of the movie um the the general guy uh that almost he's standing there and he's about to kill caspian he kind of like hesitates because he's locked right. next to caspian and then he gets grabbed by the roots and like knocked out that's a neat i think that works well and is effective he's there he's the one at the end that ends up going with moraz's yes. wife through the portal right yes well yeah let's put a pin in that because i have questions no um, i just wanted to make sure that we were talking yeah, about the same guy yeah. um but i think there is some good the, part of why I really like that final battle is there's a lot of action that is very impactful and still, I think, works, again, as a family film. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. But one thing that I, I I think for me it just doesn't translate well to uh, to a action movie that has that some of that Lord of the Rings aesthetic. And I'm, I'm going to keep bringing up Lord of the Rings as a thing that I'm comparing this to. And I, I feel bad for that in some ways because the books don't really ask for that. Right. And that's not... Like, they're taking that story and still trying to make that story its own thing. Um, But I don't think, for me, bringing Aslan in just to, like, have him... he he, It it works. Like, he's he's there. He's been here. And then Lucy... Specifically, Lucy goes and talks to him, and she's like, I found you. Oh, my gosh. Um, And I forget the exact dialogue, but they... They basically have this conversation where she's like, oh, if I'd come to you sooner, could I have saved more people? Like, would you have come and helped us? And he's like, nah, (laughs) it it worked out like the way it was supposed to work out. Um, Well, he says, I I, I think he says something along the lines of we'll never know. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And then there, there's a couple of back and forth there that to me were like, I kind of need more than that. Um, because Lucy goes and finds him and there's, they try to kind of build that up as a quest. Uh, and there's set up throughout the movie of her being like, Hey, we should go find Aslan. And I still think Peter sucks. <laughs> and I think that <laughs> in this, he, I think he sucks he, on purpose though. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. But it, I, that's why I didn't say him as like my worst thing or anything, but it just, his, his character bothers me. Uh, and I think this movie does a lot more with him uh, to kind of make that purposeful. Uh, but still, <laughs> it bothers me a lot that he gets away with a lot of uh, being a jerk to people. Um, specifically, Look, he Lucy. gets beat up a lot. It's he fun. does get beat up a lot. That's true. Um, but they they kind of do some of that again where the older kids don't believe that Lucy, even, even though she very much knew what was going on in the last movie. Um, and she keeps trying to find Aslan and kind of following his signs. Uh, and then at the end, it's kind of like, I'm going to go try and find him. They, they, they get her out and where she needs to go to, to track him down. Uh, and then he's just kind of there. And then he com- he comes back and all of nature rises up against the Telmarines and they win the day that I had a really hard time appreciating that as like a the big epic second partner coming into the fight kind of thing. Um and I was thinking back to to why it doesn't work for me in the way that others other because other movies do have that effect of you get the the people coming in last second and they save today and it's amazing. Um or you get the best version of that, but then they still lose, which is the Thor showing up to Wakanda. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but Marcus and McFeely, it, it all exa- started here. Exactly. I mean, both Infinity War and Endgame. So Infinity War has this entire sub arc of Thor going to get his new weapon and coming in and say, and that that's like a whole buildup and that doesn't even end up working. Um, but it's still an epic moment. And then Endgame has the entire middle section of the movie is everyone trying to get together so they can get these the gems back together from the disparate timelines and then be able to uh, bring back everybody. And that's where Portals comes from is because they, they spent all this time struggling and, and barely getting through this crazy time heist quest to put together all the Infinity Gems and, and snap everyone back to life. Um then going back to like Lord of the Rings, uh, you have the setup of oh Gandalf, wait for me on the the third dawn of the third day. They still have to survive to that point, so they're fighting out and and like trying to. We're, we're watching them in Helm's Deep trying to get to that day, and we don't know know for sure what Gandalf's going to come and do. Uh, so when they have that last like desperate charge of we're gonna ride out with me. For for Ruin and Red Dawn and other cool things that we scream as we're going to kill all the orcs. Uh, when they do that, that's like, oh, this is one epic uh, last uh, kind of drive uh, just for, for honor and glory. And oh my gosh, it worked because Gandalf's here. Like, I feel like those are all examples. And Lord of the Rings also has the Battle of the Black Gate of trying to survive until Frodo throws the ring in or whatever 
not Frodo throws Regan, but the ring gets in the volcano in some form or fashion. Um, all of those things have kind of a interlocking side thing that is happening uh, or, or something in the structure of the movie that is very devoted to building up. Here's the big epic uh, return of this army. I think Game of Thrones does this several times. That's a little bit different because a lot of the time you don't necessarily fall on one side or the other of the uh, the, the armies. Like, they both have protagonists you like. But anyway, a lot of those have a lot of buildup devoted to why this second army is able to come in and how to make it relatively unexpected so that when it happens, you're like, ah, mind blown. There, There's Falcon. Oh my gosh, they're all back. Uh, that sort of thing... I feel like I need like if I if I'm sitting there watching and being like, this is very obvious how we're getting to this point and, and how this second army is going to come in. Um, that makes it a lot harder for it to work for me. And I feel like this is a very kids book thing to happen of, OK, she goes and she finds Aslan and she's like, oh, my gosh, Aslan, can you come help us? And he does. Um, that's kind of a magical, fun thing in this very grounded movie. Uh and that I I could not really get behind nature rising up to save everyone because of that, because it, it did not feel like it was really earned. It, it the, We didn't spend a lot of time getting to the point of like, why was Aslan not here? How did Lucy go find him? Uh, why was that difficult before? I, I feel like I need more of those questions answered. Uh, and I think that that's kind of a lost in translation thing from the adaptation. So it, yeah. it didn't have as much of a punch for me. I will say, and this is going to lead into the thing. <laughs> would it make you feel better, Tyler, if mm-hmm. the center point of an entire religion appeared in mm-hmm. the form of a water creature? Would that give you the thing that you desire? It, it did make me feel a little little better when uh, Water Gandalf appeared <laughs> and uh, ate the like yes. tertiary antagonist, right? Of the uh, movie, yeah, and also his horse, which like the yeah, horse come didn't on. deserve that. I okay, the horse didn't talk. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, where's Philip? Um, dead. He's dead. Is where he is. Dead like Tumnus. Um. <laughs> the, the okay so aslan gets the trees and they're doing their stuff and then all the other all the telmarines are like we're gonna make like trees and leaf and they get mm-hmm. out of there and they get to the bridge and on the other end of the bridge is is lucy and they're like whatever and they just keep going and then aslan roars and yes there is a water jesus Mm-hmm. It it just it is it just is Jesus, and I think at the time my friends were telling this, I was like, um, it's not. It's actually I don't know what I would have said because it is Jesus, and mm-hmm. but it's such a weird scene because he's not smashing anybody. He's not. He's just kind of moving, and w- and then that's like making the Telmarines jump off the bridge into the water, but then eventually Water Jesus does look at the bridge and goes, "That looks like a merchant's table," and then he picks it up. <laughs> And he just sort of holds it on his back for a minute and (laughs) holds it again. And like you said, the tertiary villain is like looking at him scared. And he essentially does just lean forward and eat him. And the horse 
and then he's just gone. And I say this quickly. This scene takes about 47 minutes. And <laughs> it is a pretty lengthy scene. It's an elongated moment of, of him just kind of lazily just like Tai Chiing at the Telmarines. It's it's so strange. And it was we talked about in the previous movie how I kind of liked in a way that that movie didn't really shy away from the theological allegory while not like it didn't seem like preaching or anything. It was just mm-hmm. like, this is what the movie is, what the story is. We're just going to do it, whatever. But in, but they don't. And I don't know. None of it is. Well, it's differently on the nose than Man of Steel. Um, right. I will say that it's differently because this literally has the center point of an entire religion and their mythology appear in the form of water to mess up some some Italians. Um, and it was it was just intense. It was intense. And it, but look, it was Britain, it is a they wild did, thing to me. They didn't say that he was thirty three years old, so I think we're in the clear. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I can't even know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it was Gandalf. Maybe it was Gandalf. Look, look. I'm not trying to say that this movie is bulletproof, but I mean, you guys are bringing up a lot of like they're fine points. I'll say that. When I, they're and fine. I points. don't even really know that I'm criticizing the movie for including it. It's more that I just. It's just fascinating. It's just a wild choice. That, it's that, the same thing as the Santa scene, just even more so. Yeah, because yeah. this, and yeah. again, like the Santa thing is in the books, and it was in the B- yeah. the BBC miniseries. Is by the way of this is are on YouTube. Uh, they're crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little wild to watch those. I highly recommend looking them up just to see the beavers. Um, that's True. an interesting time. But uh, yeah, I so Santa was in that, so I'm presumably it's in the book. I don't know if the book had. Water Jesus or not, but here he is. I can't remember. It is it is just such a buck wild thing that the movie was like, no, we're doing it. <laughs> Which like I kind yeah. of respect it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Uh Tyler, to circle back around, um, I do think you, you make a compelling argument, and I, I do think there is it, it would be worth fleshing out a little bit more, and particularly why the characters don't believe Lucy. Um mm-hmm. And I think there is a scene where Peter's like, well, why couldn't I see him? Like, there's, there yeah. is a little bit there. There's not, there's not enough. Um, but one of the things that I latched onto thematically was kind of the, the solution to, to solving the problem. Because in the first film, it's really just, there's a, you guys have a destiny and we're, they basically sure. just get pointed around and told what to do. Yeah. Peter, you know, Peter shows up. They point him like, go down there, meet Aslan, and then he tells him to lead the army. Like, everyone's kind of told what to do. Um, And this one, what I really liked, particularly because it is darker in tone, it's more violent. It's, you know, we show up and Care Paravel is destroyed and all of their friends are dead. Um, I like that the movie tries to be a little bit more thematically rich with Faith is what's going to save the day. Sure. You aren't just going to be told what to do. And so that's why I like kind of the aimless nature of th- there's just a bunch of scenes where Caspian is talking with the Narnians and trying to figure out a plan. And then Peter shows up and then they're just bickering back and forth. And then that leads into the castle siege and the seance. All of that stuff was really fascinating to me and something that I I, I didn't remember it like that being the through line of the movie. So showing up and, and rewatching it that was was just kind of neat to follow that thread 
but I, I do kind of agree in turn and this might end up being my worst thing um i i think the lucy side of things is probably where it gets let down a little bit um i think it, even just giving her more screen time yeah would probably <clears throat> help improve that quite a bit but i yeah. mean britain to your point um earlier uh this is the last time where uh, Peter sure. and Susan are at the forefront. Um, and then I, I think they have cameos in Don Treader. I can't remember, but uh, that is the Lucy and Edmund show. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So. And I, I do agree. I do like that. This is a story about the previous one. The characters completed their destiny. And this is about what do they do with that? What do they choose yeah. to do now that they have gone through the tutorial in a way? Um, and yeah. that is nice to um, see them having to survive by their wits. You're you're playing on new game plus mode now. <laughs> real real quick, uh, Narnia.fandom.com states that the book it's not like the book is more just like like there are river gods. I see. Like there there are like almost it's almost more Greek mythology type dudes okay. that are just like these are river spirits. I see. Um, but it does say their take narnia.fandom.com's take on the uh river god in the movie is that it's a reference to exodus and he's supposed to be moses so it's river Uh, moses important distinction there look i i think this this movie is very very artistic and it can be interpreted in many many that's true he did let those people go every (laughs) into his mouth yeah <laughs> okay. that was very good That's, that 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 tracks um i i do uh what did we think of the susan the suspian romance um because susan didn't seem that invested in it <laughs> um although i do like the you know, part where she's kind of says a flirty line to caspian and it's they're writing away lucy repeats it and she's like shut up I, I think they actually have a a decent kind of subtle arc between the two of them where I think there's, you know, they start off as a, having a very antagonistic relationship. And I think the more he does to try and prove himself to everyone, I think the more that she's kind of, um, she becomes attracted to him. And I think the fact that it ends up being like, it is kind of tragic where they don't end up being together. Yeah. I think if it ended up being basically a repeat of the last movie where it's like, Oh, they grew old in Narnia again sure. and they yeah. got together. That would, I think that would be a problem. I guess it is good that we didn't spend a lot of that runtime on a romantic subplot in a movie that doesn't really sure. need one. Yeah. Um, I, I was kind of waiting for her to be like, you're nice, but there's this horny nerd back home <laughs> who says he watches me from across the street at our different schools. So bye. I told him my name was Phyllis. <laughs> That was great. So we're in love. That was great. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, I feel like it ultimately works all right. I, I like that some of the first hints of that are she, I believe, sides with Caspian when they're trying to decide what to do, mm-hmm. um, whether to go to the siege or go go attack the fortress Miraz is at or to like stay in and withstand a siege. Um, she like disagrees with Peter and sides with Caspian. And that's like a nice little like, oh interesting uh yeah and i think they spin it out right from there there's also a really nice moment um going along with kind of improving or the arc of peter and caspian's relationship where after uh, edmund destroys uh the ice wall um 
Susan kind of mm-hmm. runs in and she just gives this like disappointed look to both of them. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you're both just morons right now. I'm just going to leave. And I feel yeah. like that's a nice, that's a nice humbling moment for the both of them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we haven't actually talked about the other Peter in this movie, Peter Dinklage. I was just thinking that, and I feel like that's a little bit of a it. P- this is this is early ish in Peter yeah. Dinklage's career. I mean, obviously pre Game of Thrones, yeah. um, but like post Elf, post Station Agent. It Wait. is post Elf. Yeah, post Station Agent. Uh, so I'm kind of like I feel like we should he should be a bigger presence in the movie. Yeah, um, he's good. He's playing mm. a fantasy dwarf, right? Uh, which is interesting, and it's interesting that he'll then go on to play kind of a subversion of that right. in Game of Thrones. Um, He's I, just a cynical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought it was interesting. I like his beard. I like that he gets a, a nice long beard uh, and just just rocks the, the hair, and the the dew. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, I was thrown off early on because they make a big deal about the fact that uh, he. The I forget exactly what how the scene goes down. Like I said, it's been a, it's been a minute since I watched it. I did take some notes for this just because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget things. It's not so much because I had a trusty list of misgivings as we are wont to do. I just wanted to write things down. Um, it's been a while since I've used one of those. Right. Uh, don't worry, Venom. Let the precaution. <laughs> I I was thinking the exact same <laughs> thing. <laughs> um. I thought it was strange because uh, Edmund and Peter Dinklage fight and it's like trying to establish that Edmund's a good sword fighter, but also it's like supposed to be surprising that Peter Dinklage is a good sword fighter. Uh, and I thought that was a weird thing. <laughs> I don't know. That, that, that threw me off early on uh, with his character, but um I think his character the rest of the time is is fun. It's it's just nice to have him around. Uh, he kind of fades into the noise towards right. the end. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree. I I I liked him because I always like seeing Peter Dinklage because he's a great actor. Um, cannot wait for Cyrano as of this recording. That's the movie musical directed by Joe Wright, who directed two of my favorite movies, starring Peter Dinklage. Cannot wait. Um, and so I love him, but the whole time I just kept hearing like all of these interviews where he's given, he's talked about going into Game of Thrones. He was like, I told them, I don't want a beard. I don't want curly shoes. Like, I don't want to be a fantasy dwarf and watching this movie and just kind of feeling, and I don't want to say feeling bad for him, but being frustrated that like, that's what he was kind of relegated to doing. Um, which is more about just the culture of how people with dwarfism are treated in yeah. uh, show business and what kind of roles they're given. And obviously Peter Dinklage has done a lot for that to change recently, and hopefully it will continue to. Because um, he's great, and so is Warwick Davis. Um, but it, yeah. it is something that... So that that kind of kept getting in... Not getting in the way of his performance, but getting in the way of my enjoyment of his performance. And I was like, you're great. I wish I wish you weren't having to do that. You know what I mean? Um, but, eh. It's a little bit different yeah. like in Elf, where there's a lot of jokes made about him being short but it is clearly critical of that joke like it's still a little uncomfortable but it's more supposed to be so yeah 
I, I think this movie is, is a little, uh, it's got some self-awareness about that too, I think. Yeah. Um, cause there is the moment where they, they first start calling him dear little friend. Um, and he's like, oh, that's not patronizing at all. Yeah. And, and so the, yeah. The, I mean, there is a little bit. And I was happy because, and uh, Alex, I promise I'm not sniping you when I say this, but he did say patronizing and the pedant that I am was like, correct. That is the right one to say. <laughs> You patronize a business. You patronize a person like I'm doing right now. <laughs> look. All right. Look. Look. Patronizing. Tyler, go in and edit. Thank make, you. Make, make Britain look like the fool when he I'll put uh, in... then goes on to correct me after I've said I'm it not correctly. Yeah, I'm saying, you. I'm saying I'll, good job on I'll Dinklage. Move, I'll move Britain's pronunciation yeah. of, of how you say it wrong to where he said it right. And I'll flip <laughs> yours, Alex. And then there it it'll is. all just be. There it is. The point is. I'm or I'll jerk. make everybody say the same thing every time. Yeah. The point I'm making is, I'm a jerk. Peter Dinklage is great. <laughs> uh, I did love the moment at the end where uh, Aslan roars at him and Lucy goes, do you think he's real now? Yeah. <laughs> hey, what did we think about that was cute. freaking Reepicheep, um, who takes, again, about 29 minutes to lament not having a tail, <laughs> and then all of the other mice talk about how they'll cut off their tails. And then Aslan's like, I'm going to breathe real hard and then you'll get a tail. I didn't, really, I didn't care about Reepicheep. <laughs> there it is. I, whatever. My, I didn't hate one, him. I didn't hate him. I was just my one note on him is that, uh, what's it? Is it Andrew Adamson? Yes. yes. Uh, he, he really wants a Puss in Boots type character to like take off. He really wants oh, that hey, to yeah. be, like, thing, I feel like. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's Eddie Izzard, right? Yeah, I like Eddie Izzard. I think uh, specifically Eddie Izzard's voice is very distinct he, and memorable. I don't know. I enjoyed fine. the character. Yeah, yeah, he's and fine. Uh, he definitely murders a man. Oh, yes. In the final act. He, he murders a lot of men. There, there's Well, he does a lot of like jumping around and like slicing them like, ha, ha, and like yeah. cutting their, their legs out from under them. And then it's like, oh, maybe he stabs some other guy. But there, there's one in particular that stood out to me where he is running straight at a guy who is like fallen into like trying to i think climb up out of one of the ditches that gets created it's something like that yeah uh in the yeah. big th third act and he just runs straight at him he's got his sword out uh pointed at his face and he just runs at him and the camera zooms in on the guy and then we just cut yeah <laughs> which goes somewhere else it's like oh <laughs> that man look has you guys keep pointing out just how face. many people get killed in this movie I don't see that as a problem. I'm not saying a it's plus. a problem. I just think it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I'm just noting the amount of times you see a 17-year-old girl shoot an a bow, the arrow which then mm -hmm. buries itself in a man's chest. Well, I mean, she establishes in the old. movie she's actually like 5,000 yeah. years old or whatever. That's true. Come on, Britain. That's true. Keep up with the lore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did like... I did... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I did note in the scene, she, she gets Lucy away to go try and find Aslan. Uh, and then she's in a forest and shooting guys down uh, and then like stumbles and eventually Caspian saves her. It would have ruled if she went out like Baromir there. Uh -huh. and if she's yeah. just like <laughs> shooting guys down and they start <laughs> shooting back and she's got all these arrows and she's still going. I'm, I, I'm not going back to that horny idiot. Death. <laughs> Death. <laughs> she eventually like she has to like snap her bow in half and starts like uh -huh, stabbing uh -huh. him with the splinters. <laughs> <laughs> good man that'd be great the only other thing i know he, she's in is one of the halo movies so maybe she does it in that fascinating yeah she's one of the i halo think movies. she's um 
it's like a prequel movie to one of the games i think i i can't remember sure. i've seen it at some point really? but yeah um we haven't talked about the title character what did we think of caspian I liked him. I like Ben Barnes a lot. Ben mm-hmm. Barnes was an actor who was is an actor who I think early on in his career got a lot of parts like this. Go be handsome in a fantasy. He was doing this. He did um, uh, uh, Seventh Son, which I've recommended on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And he he just did Shadow and Bone. And apparently people like that show quite a bit. So, hey, great. I really, really like him on Westworld. I think he gives a really good yeah. performance on that show. Um so I, broadly speaking, really like Ben Barnes, and I think he does a nice job with this. I like the accent. Um, I, I think Caspian's a neat character. I I do think that, for everything I've, I've already said, I do think this movie does a nice job of, like, not making him feel too, like, a stock fantasy character. Um, yeah. yeah. He does feel a little bit different. He does feel a little bit more like he's thinking a little bit more about stuff you know he he's not just repeatedly saying things like no i have to avenge my father or no i have to take back my kingdom like he has to learn things and he has to compromise and he has like he is learning about being a ruler or being a leader as he is trying to regain which i think is neat so i i I like him and again i just like ben barnes i think ben barnes brings a lot to it I, i think there are other I think other actors with this script could have made it very wooden and like sure. Oh, this guy, cool. He's back on screen. Yeah. Um, How old was Joel Kinnaman at the time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Prince Caspian, and I'm my, my father was killed by King Moraz. I would actually really love that. <laughs> my father was killed by Jason Moraz, and I have to go take him down. <laughs> I had to blow the horn of urgency or whatever it is <laughs> to get the Pevensies back. You know, that might actually be my worst thing. They never establish why they can't just blow that horn all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, we what don't do really mean? know where it was, where it's been. I guess the dwarves are... No, I mean, once Caspian gets the horn, why can't he just use it whenever battles uh... start? to do to call for help is it not specifically the the pevensies that come because it is it i thought it was like the horn of the kings and queens of old or well then why does susan just get it in the first film because i don't know (laughs) it's not it's not firmly established as to what the rules are it feels like that's a little bit of a retcon i don't know um I also like, but I mean, I'm it's fine. It's a magic MacGuffin <laughs> yeah. thing. It's fine. I I was bothered because, am I, was I? Did I totally miss this, or did they have the Pevensies come back and then Caspian gets the horn? No, he him blowing the horn is what caused them to come back. Yeah, but I think it editing, might be the editing might be off there. Yes, the editing I think has him getting I the horn. Remember. The scene after they arrive back in Narnia. And I was very confused by that. Does he? Oh, I thought it was. But the, the idea is supposed to be he blows the horn yeah. and they show up. Yeah. Oh, I thought this. I thought the. I was. I thought he blew the horn and then we went to. I don't think so. London. Actually, that might be the 
Yeah, no, because I think that that is the case. Because the opening sequence is is showing everything at the castle and Prince Caspian running away, and he gets chased into the woods. He finds the Narnians, and that's when he grabs the horn and blows it. That's the opening scene. Oh, is that okay? I think I got. Yeah, I think I missed. It's that an extended opening, and then was yeah. confused because later they present it to him, like, "Look what you found here," and then. Okay, that makes more sense. Yes, because he because he wakes up in the badger's house and he's like, "Do you know what this is?" Yes. Yeah, it's a okay. horn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I blew it. Makes noise. Um. Okay. Okay. Back on track. Yeah. I do feel like there was some. Uh, uh, outside of that, there was, I I was having trouble. Staying with the flow of the movie when it was bouncing between Caspian and the Pevensies, I think that there, it wasn't a very, uh, there, there was a lot of momentum when we were going between like long extended scenes of them. And then in long extended scenes of Caspian, I don't know what exactly you do to fix that. Uh, but that did again, talking about my overall issues with the length, I think that's really where I felt it. Um, Yeah. Because early on, it, it takes quite a while to set them up in the right place to where they're all together and they can talk about the battle stuff and get into things. Yeah, I think part of the problem there might be, you know, you've got the, the Caspian stuff, which is very clear cut of just like he's discovering Narnians and he's trying to figure out what to do against the Telmarines. Like that's that's a very kind of straightforward. Um, everyone knows what's going on. Whereas when the Pevensies show up, they have no clue what's going on. And so it takes a while for them to get up to speed on things. I think it's just an information um, yeah, kind of gap there that's causing kind of issues with pacing for you. I, I also will say, again, kind of going back to Lord of the Rings comparisons that end up being unfavorable. Um, it rubbed me the wrong way a bit, and I think some of it might be that Harry Gregson Williams score is too good. Um, <laughs> when they get back and they find all their stuff, uh, and they they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is our where, where our kingdom was," and like we found this this place and we've got all our things, and like it's playing very whim- not whimsical. It's 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 very triumphant and like uh, magical and nostalgic, and like, "Oh my gosh, they're back! They've returned to Narnia." Um, that didn't quite work for me because it felt like it was going so hard into that vibe. And I was kind of thinking it's been it. It's two things. It's I was thinking it's been like three years between these movies. And I had a problem with the end of the last movie that I think is kind of a thing coming from the books too, of them not really addressing the fact that they lived for like a thousand years or whatever in Narnia uh and coming back or not there there's a thousand years between this movie and the last movie them living until they were grown-ups in narnia um and then coming back they don't really address like how that affected them personally like do they still remember all of that is that all you know again like we were talking about kind of what's going on with peter where he is a lot older mentally than how he feels uh physically um I already kind of had a problem with that because that just feels weird and, again, feels very much like you, something you can get away with in a children's book, but it's harder when you're adapting it into a more grounded movie. Um, I felt like that particular scene was very, oh my gosh, can you believe we're back? This is amazing. 
Uh, and I was like, they, fr- from our perspective and how much footage we have of these two films, they, it's, it's been, it's been five minutes. <laughs> they were, since they were in Narnia. Um, so that, that was one thing that I was kind of like, again, I, I wish that the movie was maybe a, a little more, either a little more whimsical or th- put a little more thought into some of those moments to, to kind of bring them along to the level of where the action scenes are basically. Cause I think those are the strengths of the movie. That bit of music that you're talking about when they're on the beach is, is one that's directly from the first movie. And it's this, it's like this very sort of airy, almost celestial vocal, uh, female vocalist sort of, Going, playing over the music and i remember in the first movie they play it over the train ride to the professors uh-huh. and i remember that hitting me really hard when i first saw it in the theater and, and every time since because it's like we're not in a magical land yet we're not it we're, we're in the real world but playing that kind of music over this different kind of transition for them like kind of seeds early on what this is and where they're going even though up until that point it's all been bombing of london sad train station riding on train to professor's house, but they're playing this music. And I remember it's like the, it's the opening credits score yeah, and it's really effective. And I, it's funny how it worked better for me there. And it didn't work poorly for me when they go to Narnia because I love that piece of music, but maybe it's a, maybe, maybe it's just because that feels a little more juxtaposed and that's why I find it effective in the first one. And this one, it feels more like they're back in Narnia. So we're playing the magical Narnia yeah. music. And it just feels more like, proper like yep that's what it is <laughs> you know what i mean if, if, i don't know yeah and i'm not it's not even a criticism i'm just sort of noting my experiences differently between the two things um but yeah there's not a whole lot made of that like peter talks about a guy bumped into him and then peter wanted him to apologize and he wouldn't so then he got into a fight which is is funny and also again yeah. peter sucks um <laughs> intentionally uh if he's been a king for like a decade, right. I could see very petty things like that getting yeah. to him. Well, it's like the John Mulaney bit about Mick Jagger, where it's like, if you've if you've spent fifty years with audio auditor or like stadiums of people screaming and cheering for you, then you're going to change a little bit. <laughs> um, which I which I think made sense, but I I like that Edwin Edmund is more like humble in this movie. That he's more like, last time I didn't listen to Lucy, I look pretty stupid. <laughs> he's just, he's comic relief, but not in the way that he feels doofy. He's like, I got a flashlight. So whatever, man. I had a chest I like set. Edmund. I did note that I liked Edmund a lot in this. I yeah. The scene where he goes to Mraz and his, his crew and yeah. is like, hey, you got to fight Peter. Uh, don't don't you not want to look like a like a dumb coward idiot? Yeah. Maybe you should go fight this guy. <laughs> um I think that was that was really good. I think overall, what what's the actor's name? Skander uh, Keynes. Who I don't know that he's been in a whole lot else. Not to my knowledge. He may have retired from acting. I was looking up the cast before. Yeah, Is he I'm, the one I, who's now like a? I think you uh, said he was like a political consultant. Political. That's awesome. Uh. Well, well, now, yeah. you, you, now you see here, Prime Minister. If they offer you Turkish delight, just walk out of the room. That's my first note. Because <laughs> I know the other three are are acting or have acted since, and obviously Ben Barnes. He's he's the Darkling. Come on, that's what you call him. I tried to look him In up. Shadow and, and it... Bone. That's what he's called. It's a great word. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
didn't realize that was a reference to that. Yeah. Um, okay. I did want to talk about uh, the fact that we are dealing with human antagonists this time versus a witch and a bunch of dark fantasy creatures. Yeah, who can die um, and are killed by murder. Correct. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to kill a few by people. making it's their fine. lives end. Um, no, mm-hmm. but yes, yes, human antagonists. Um, I really like how this this starts to get a little Game of Thronesy. I like how how we and this is where I I got excited about um kind of building up some some of the mythology and and some of the cultural aspects of Narnia a bit more to help with the grandiose nature of the movie and kind of supporting that. Um, all of the political intrigue with Mraz killing Caspian's father and then having a son and because he now has an heir, he can try and kill Caspian. And you've got this the, the general and and one of his other um, lords, I guess, um, trying to basically conspire to to take out Mraz. Like there's a lot of there's a lot more going on than just which is bad. Yeah. Yeah, he has two. Which I really like. The, the general guy I've seen in other things. I think the actor's name is Pierre Francesco something. And uh, the other guy looks like Alejandro Gonzalez in Yuritu. That's how I know him. <laughs> um, You're not wrong. Yeah. Not a bad thing to look like, but he does. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I the thing that interested me about it was, okay, so there are... In this other world, it's not just Earth and Narnia. It's Earth and then Narnia, but Narnia is near Telmarine, so that kind of creates this like whole other dimension, which I know is a C.S. Lewis thing. Um, but th- then, and, and Tyler, you alluded to this at the end when they're like, "All right, Tel Telmar, we we beat you, get out of here, or you can stay." But then Aslan is like, "Or I'll take you back to where you where you originally came from, which is Earth." Earth realm, as yeah. Shang Tsung would call it, and stages a Mortal Combat there. He he says if because years ago there was a ship and they got to an island and that island brought them to Narnia, pirates. Yeah, it was pirates, and then pirates started Telmar. So I guess you can, I guess anybody can go to Narnia, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then he was like, so if any of you want to go back there. You'll be fine. And then the general's like, I'll do it. And Mraz's wife's like, I'll do it. And he's like, because you have spoken first, your lives will be good there. So I'm like, what about anybody else now? <laughs> All right, but you're working at part-time at a burger restaurant. <laughs> so some of the people walk through there and just, they they appear 50 feet above the ocean in right. the middle of a storm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was it was it was an interesting thing that again I know it all comes back to Lewis and that kind of stuff, but it, it just felt kind of like wait what <laughs> you've shown initiative, so you're getting a promotion. I like that <laughs> briefly he became like a, a middle management guy. I like your moxie. The so the general that we're talking about, yeah, yeah. whose name we still don't know. Um, the first scene where I got confused about him. Is he? There's a scene where he says that he tries. I don't even know what's happening exactly in it, and I and it was like the first scene that I watched when I came back to viewing this, so I I might have missed something. Um, he's talking to Miraz, and he's like, 
hey, they savagely attacked us and they wrote something about like Aslan being back or the, the woods are alive or with the sound of music. Um, and, and also that you look like a dork. And also that you look like a dork. And then he says, we didn't lose anybody. And then Maras is like, but you have injuries. And the general is like, oh, <laughs> we lost three guys. And I did not know what was happening in that scene. And I would like you to explain it to me, Alex. Uh, my Skype is cutting in and out. I, I didn't hear any of that. Oh, God. well, we'll never know. We'll never <laughs> get the answer. We'll never know. To the question I just had. No, I'm. The, I could I could have saved Prince Caspian a whole letter grade with Tyler. But pretty much, know. Uh, no, Skype the, wouldn't allow it. The, the scene where the guy, uh, the general guy, is saying, "Hey, I, hey, they savagely attacked us, uh, but we didn't lose anybody." And then the king is like, "Actually, you're beaten up. So what happened?" And then he's like, "You lost three people, or we lost three people." What was what was going on there? <laughs> Give me answer. No, the the idea is that Miraz is going, "Oh, you didn't lose anyone when the Narn, you know, the Narnians yeah. came and stole all these supplies. What's going on?" Um and the three guys behind the general are the ones respond they're they're technically responsible for letting the Narnians get away in terms of, uh, you know, from from Miraz's point of view. Um so Miraz is basically like, "No. No, no, no. You, you there weren't zero casualties because he's trying to build up this animosity and trying to build up this fear of the Narnians in terms of like, no, they actually kill people. They are a threat. And so he basically tells the general not so subtly kill those three guys behind you. That's the idea. Oh yeah. He's like, we're going to create a new narrative. I did not get the, as opposed. Yeah. It wasn't that the general was changing a story to cover up his tracks or something. It's that the Miraz is saying, We'll we'll create a new narrative. Basically, the entire movie with the general is him going, I don't really want to be here at all. And then that's why he ends up leaving, which is why I was fine with kind of the out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, there's portals all over Earth and pirates. And like it it ends up leading to a nice character arc for just this this side character. It was it was really interesting. I like genuinely because I completely misread the that scene because there's an earlier scene where he like seems at least not hostile towards caspian right that general right um and so i was remembering that and then i I was confused if there was like a he had somehow conspired with it okay all right that that clicks things better for me okay yeah all right all right um, I did want to hit on some of the other action scenes. I talked, we talked a good bit about kind of the, the siege at the end, but that castle sequence sure. is absolutely wonderful. And the fact that it's from, like I said, what I understand, it's not from the book. There's just so many fun elements and it's just so much of it just seems like it's practical, like just this giant battle in the middle of the courtyard. Um, and all these the the effects look really nice, and you've got the, the touch of Edmund using the flashlight as a signal. Um, there's so many different like moving pieces in that sequence, like in and of itself, it's it's absolutely wonderful. And it ends on just this heartbreaking moment of all these 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 Narnians getting trapped. Yeah. Um, and they're like, "Go on, keep you know, keep the fight going." Um, it's it's really really sad, but it's it's a beautiful sequence. Yeah. yeah. Peter sure does uh, get a lot of blood on his hands. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
letting all those or getting all those Narnians killed. So yeah, when there's that minute, well, I mean, Minotaur who's holding up the the gate so they can all run under it, and then he yeah. gets he gets Boromir'd and then gets crushed under the gate. Well, I mean, Tyler, that's that's the interesting thing because once they get back, him and uh, Caspian get into a spat because it is technically Caspian's fault. They lost a lot of time because he got he wanted to go find Moraz instead of doing his job. Yeah. And but then uh, like Caspian's thing is like you're the only reason we were there at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. So it, yeah, it's a nice bit of it, it's all. Om- it's almost like both of them have grievances against Hashtag each other that are completely justified. <laughs> Hashtag Team Caspian. <laughs> Hashtag Peter was wrong. I um, <laughs> yeah, I no, I, I I liked how that one turned around because at the beginning of it, I was like, eh, all right, I get it, little adventure sequence, Reaper Cheap's doing his thing. But then as it yeah. turned, I was like, oh, there's some neat choreography here, and then like you said, there are real stakes in it. And there's a part later where like a satyr character is just like uh Miraz, I think. He Yeah. It's like he Mufasa's the guy. <laughs> like it's this really yeah. like kind of surprisingly effective like death for that again, unnamed, unvoiced <laughs> character. But I guess it it depicts like Miraz's cruelty. Yeah. And I think that that leads beautifully into the one one-on-one duel between Peter and Miraz, which is it's very very brutal. I like how how kind of up close and personal that whole thing is, and I think it's beautifully shot and choreographed. Um, and just the the moment when they're like, "Oh, do do, do you does uh your highness need a respite?" Um, and he's like, five minutes, three, <laughs> <laughs> and, and those just wonderful touches. Like both of them go to their corners, and it's it's almost like a boxing match. And um, the end of that is uh, Edmund going smile to the uh the narnians give them hope like that's all it's there are so many little nice touches and so many little character moments that even when we have a terrible character like peter (laughs) it's like he he's he feels like he's fully fleshed out for this kind of movie and thus i appreciate it even if he's a dummy it's neat this movie is neat I don't know if I have anything else really to. <laughs> yeah, I think we've to bring it up. hit all of my notes. Yeah. We have a professor character. That's all I got. We do, and he was nice. And he was nice. Uh, there we go. I was a little thrown off by the fact that we kind of have the exact same. This is my last random nitpick. We have the same scene basically with Peter Dinklage and uh, Mister Ratman. Uh, with Narnia or Nar- Narnia, with Lucy reviving oh, them with right. her vial, yeah, uh, it's a little. Eh, I could, I could use a. You could you could say it doesn't work on rats. You know, you could give me a little stakes here. Sure, sure. <laughs> I don't know. Look, Tyler, they've had enough uh, characters dying in this movie. But like, <laughs> like, it's fine. Important characters, you know. If it, it feels like a double beat, yeah. I feel it. I get it. But we got we got Reaper Cheap in the sequel, so we gotta we gotta save him. Simon Pegg Fine. voicing him this time. There you go. I didn't realize that there was a voice change. <laughs> It'll be interesting watching Don Trader and be like, you know, I I love Simon Pegg, but th- this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Not my Reaper Cheap. 
Not my Reaper cheap. Can't peep this cheap. What are you guys grading the movie? <laughs> Can we have that be the new sign off for literally every episode now? <laughs> That'll be our new grading system. Can you peep this cheap or can't you peep this cheap? John Wick Chapter 3, I peep this cheap. <laughs> Alex, what did I give the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? You gave it a B minus. Proceed. I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. Um, I might be looking at this through rose tinted glasses or whatever. Obviously, I've been super high on the movie, and I'm also off of three to four hours of sleep the previous night. Uh-huh. I'm giving it an A. There you um, go. Yeah. Absolutely delightful. I loved every second of it. Live your truth. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag live your truth. Uh, I'm going to... Hashtag peep your cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do a role reversal from what Alex and I normally do. I'm going to give this a C+. Um, I think it's that I was looking at the first one with rose-colored glasses. I think it's just I have such a fondness for the first one that in, it, it was doomed to fall short. Um I said a lot of nice things about it in this episode. I meant all of them. As an overall piece, it didn't work on me as much. That's okay. I'm not. I'm not mad at it. C plus. Uh, I, I think I think I'll kind of split the difference and go B. Uh, I think it's where I stand. I think that the there's a lot of cool. It's it's really the action sure. that holds it up for me. Um, there's a lot of. Basically, I I feel like. I might at some point reevaluate and push both of them down half a letter, but I definitely think I enjoyed it more than the first one. H- having like very little to no nostalgia for these and, and just kind of going in cold. Um, so yeah, I think, I think this one has a little more going for it. it it's just more, there, there's more to dig into and more to enjoy about like the characters and what's going on in the story. So. I feel it. Well, Alex, I know that you mentioned you have a lot of movies to discuss. Do you want to split it up throughout? Do you want to do some, and then I'll do a recommendation, and then you do some more, and then Tyler? Do you... I want to stay. I have a recommendation, so I'm going first. Tyler goes first. Everyone, shut <laughs> I up! I never get recommendations, or I never have recommendations. Everyone stop it, um, Mark. Hang no, on. I... I'll look at your diorama later. <laughs> Mark recommends looking at his diorama. <laughs> um. I, is, is, is he building his own theme park? Is that what the diorama <laughs> is of? What you got, Tyler? Um, I I did watch Encanto, and it's very good. And it's been on several TVs near me several times <laughs> over the last week. But I have sat through and watched it once. Um, and it's it's great. Uh, it is a, a movie with I, I. This is this is way too much recency bias, but like. The music in this feels like some of Lynn Manuel Miranda's best, uh, and I like I I'm not someone who has a lot of good like objective analysis about why music works, but this like the the way that all the characters uh, kind of have their own musical ideas and the way the the soundtrack layers all of them. Um, the catchiness of the soundtrack and just like how good like things get stuck on your head because they're so good like yeah. certain lines which is the thing that has happened to me with like hamilton before um it's not the first time lens lens pulled that off for me but 
there's lines in this and I'm like, that's just, that just sounds like it's an earworm, not because it's like, you know, that it's not like a catchy jingle the way that that gets right, stuck in your right. head. It's like, I keep thinking about that and I keep hearing that in my head because it's so good. Um, the, both the lines and the, the music. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a movie with a great overall message and theme message is probably not the right word for it, but it's just got great, great ideas that it wants to to put out there. Um, beautiful movie animation looks, looks fantastic. Uh, and lots of fun, memorable characters. And, uh, I, it's on Disney plus, so it's not a huge barrier to, to watching it. So I would say go watch it if you've got access because uh i think it's completely delightful and i wanted to put that out there so yeah i also watched it and quite liked it i definitely um just to get real inside baseball we we don't talk about bruno is the 96000 of this movie where you have a big group number with and every character has their own the beat switches up and not entirely the style of music, but the style of that song, the verses feel yes. distinct between the different characters and they all come together and overlap in a way that is cohesive and still distinct. Um, and I've listened to that song a lot and yes. yeah, freaking Rosa from Parks and, or Parks and Rec what's mm-hmm. from Brooklyn nine, nine is in there. John Leguizamo um, and Abuela Claudia as the singing voice of this movie's Abuela, which is always great. Abuela Claudia from in the Heights. Um, yeah, I like Encanto a lot. That's not my recommendation, but I do want to second it because I do think it's a very cool movie. Alex, do you want to do some of yours or do you, do you want to just barrel through all of it after I do mine? I'll just, uh, you, you, you keep going. I'll, I'll just jokey. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I, um, I'm going to do two quick, I'm going to do one quick recommendation than my actual one. I gave myself an Apple plus, uh, rec- uh, uh, subscription for Christmas, which means I'm getting to catch up on some stuff. Um, and that meant I got to watch previous Tyler recommendation Coda and I love it. I love it. I love it. It is in the running for my favorite movie of the year. Obviously there's still a few more things for me to see. Um, but yeah, it's just fantastic. I don't know a whole lot to add. Just, I cried at least three or four times because the movie is very clever about how they do certain scenes and how they communicate certain things. The performances are great. Uh, Amelia Jones as the lead character has a genuinely fantastic voice and gets to show it off really really well in this movie and i just liked it a lot so whatever whether you're doing a free trial or a month or whatever of apple plus it is worth it to watch coda go go watch it it's so good the movie i will recommend <coughs> is one i saw in theaters a little bit, minute ago i think it's still in theaters somewhere and that is steven spielberg's revival of west side story mm-hmm. um i say revival because that's really what it feels like it doesn't it's obviously not a remake of the movie it's another film adaptation of the stage play so and it feels like when they revive a show on broadway in a different age where there are changes and some of that is just because we see the show differently in a different time period and some of it is because they're just like oh well let's mix, mix let's, let's mix it up let's try it differently i think the song cool at this point has three different contexts in which it's been used across the original movie this movie and the original play um i think this is the one that works best for me um, but it's this movie, I was obviously really hyped up on it. I would agree with a lot of the consensus that I, I think Ansel Elgort, he wasn't as weak as I thought he was going to be, but I do think he's the weak link, but everything else in the movie is super strong. Um, Spielberg totally still has it. 
He's just he's been doing some paycheck gigs for a while, whatever, man. But it's kind of like when I saw Lincoln, and I was like, oh yeah, this is like, of course, it's still <laughs> Spielberg. Like, what am I thinking? Yeah, um, Tony Kushner, who wrote Lincoln, adapted this script beautifully. Janusz Kaminski, who has shot a few of Spielberg's movies, shot it, and it's gorgeous. There are so many moments where my jaw was just open during like dance numbers because of just the way they were filming it. It was just so gorgeous. Um, the performances are great. Rachel Zegler is Maria and it's loaded with stage performers like David Alvarez and my man, Brian Darcy James and Ariana DeBose. who's really wonderful. And of course, Rita Moreno who played Anita in the original movie is back as a new character. And she's really fantastic. I read a review that said, you know, she won an Oscar for the first one and she could win it again for this movie. And I was and now having seen the movie, I wouldn't huh. be upset if that happened. She's super good. And there's a there's a change in the script. There's a there's a change that is made that involves her character. And I just heard that, that there was a change that involved her character. And I, I, I had been thinking about it and I was like, I don't want to think about it too much and like figure it out, you know, and like accidentally saw myself. I didn't, don't know if I could have, I cried. It's so good. Huh. And it's a really great moment. And the movie, it's just, it's just beautiful. It's, it is really wonderful to see top notch filmmakers take on something that is different and show that like, it, it is so clearly a Spielberg movie, but he's doing something different. And that is so exciting to, to see. And it's, it's just nice to be reminded it's like when you see, I don't know, Denzel Washington give a really great performance. You're like, well, of course, this is why he's Denzel yeah. Washington. It's like, this is why he's Spielberg. Um, so, yeah, if it's still in theaters, go check it out. It's it's really, really beautiful. The the Some of the stuff towards the end definitely is rough because the show is rough and, I mean, emotionally rough. And it, it gets melodramatic because of what it inherently is. But Spielberg is one of, I think, the few filmmakers who one can direct the actors to give authentic performances in melodrama, but also he knows how to stage melodrama so that it still feels authentic. And it doesn't feel, you're not kind of rolling your eyes. You're like, this is melodramatic, but I I'm bought in because he has done this so beautifully. And Kushner has written it so beautifully. I could go on. It's a wonderful movie. Uh, so Coda and West Side Story, probably both going to stick in my top 10 uh, whenever I finish making that. Love them both. All right, Alex. <laughs> I'm going to try and limit it to just a couple of sentences for each movie. So we'll see if I can stick with this. Round one. Um, uh, this is in no particular order. I just kind of wrote these down real haphazardly. And uh, normally what happens is that I receive a bunch of movies for Christmas and they're all over the place. It's very eclectic. Um, so the first one is Her. Hey. Joaquin Phoenix dates an operating system. <laughs> uh it's it's especially after the last couple of years it's very surreal and heartbreaking and i love it great movie yeah <laughs> that's got a great like near future tech stuff yes. to it. great movie um that that i don't know if that's in my top 10 favorite movies now but it's it's close um then i have the green hornet <laughs> the, <laughs> seth Ro the seth rogan movie i see a theme which, sure I actually think it's underrated. It's it's I think it's really really funny and it also has very good action sequences. So That's Michelle Gondry made that, right? Yeah. That's funny. Christoph Waltz is the bad guy and so is David Harbour. They're both okay. in there and it's weird. <laughs> um 
And then a uh, more recent uh, A Quiet Place Part 2. Mm. It's just as good as the first one, and Killian Murphy shows up, and he's absolutely wonderful. So, uh, Then I watched The Impossible, uh, Ian McGregor, oh, yeah. Naomi Watts, and Tom Holland, and a couple other child actors. Um, it's a family uh, who gets stuck in the middle of a tsunami um, during a vacation in Thailand, um, which is something that actually happened. Um, it's it's the guy who directed uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, <laughs> and I I can tell why they chose him. He's very good with like the natural disaster type feel, um, but this movie is a thousand times better than that. Um, yeah, it's it's very very emotional and uh, all the acting is top notch. Uh, speaking of emotional and and good acting, uh, the road, uh, <laughs> Vigo Mortensen, and Cody Smith McPhee try to survive the post apocalypse, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. And it's a Cormac McCarthy story, so you should know what you're getting into. Uh, Master and Commander, the far hey. side of the world. Um, my maybe my favorite uh russell crowe performance oh, wow. aside from nice guys and of course unhinged <laughs> um him and B- paul bettany are absolutely delightful yeah, in it Bettany's and awesome. it's just it, it's cool to see a semi-modern movie that's not pirates of the caribbean but it still has like the kind of classic naval ship feel to it and the lesser of um, two weevils there you go that's a good very good I, you you know that movie <laughs> seen it a few times <laughs> um then i rewatched tarzan because i got that on blu-ray and tarzan's my maybe my favorite animated movie so yeah yeah there you go uh phil collins more Yay. more than home on the range <laughs> i can't say that i've seen it um, Robinson's? yeah at all i was gonna say one of the Babe movies, but those are technically live action. Uh, so uh, uh, Mega Mind. <laughs> <laughs> Peep that Britain, cheap Mega Mind. Britain, I feel like you're subtly trying to push for future recommendations. Uh, like cast <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote a scope. Mud. <laughs> <laughs> I love my favorite. My favorite Studio Ghibli movie is Mud. <laughs> <laughs> we have fun here um we do have fun here um and then lastly real quick i saw spider-man and matrix resurrections in the same night uh spider-man is a big lovable mess it'll probably drop in favorability for me on subsequent watches but it has a lot to like but it's kind of stupid um then matrix <laughs> resurrections um you probably will hate it I kind of liked it, and who it's is, the who is you? Both of us? Uh, everyone. It's it's oh. Planet Earth. <laughs> um, it's I very divisive. In. Uh, my understanding is that it's very divisive, and that people are pulling all sorts of interpretations from it all across the board. So I don't know. Um, it's the second best of the Matrix films, which isn't necessarily saying much. But yeah, Matrix. I liked it. Reloaded. Matrix <laughs> Resurrections. Uh, that animated Matrix movie. Yeah. Yeah, and enter enter the Matrix. The game is the yeah. best and, of the Matrix movies. Uh, Matrix Revelations, or whatever that other one's called. Correct. The Matrix is yeah. That's it's fine. Yeah, that's it that's was a, that's everything I watched. It was just it had to get fish. out of the way to get yeah. to the good stuff. 
Look, I, look, I, I wanted to make it multiple choice. You choose your own recommendation. The, the, <laughs> the first Matrix is like the second season of Game of Thrones. It's like, no, I get it. We got to set up for the, mm-hmm. the, the later mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I real quick want to say, uh, the impossible, I do, I do have some problems with that movie, but Tom Holland's really good in it. And mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like Tom Hanks in Captain Phillips, where it's like, I haven't seen this actor like this before. He's very good at this. Yeah. Um, I like him That's a, a good lot. Movie. And obviously, you know, me Watts is very good. Yes. A lot of movies. Uh, if you want to hear sorry. us talk about more movies, uh, you can find us online at herecomesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HTTSQL. You can email us at herecomesequels at gmail.com or on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. Um, if you turn your radio to <laughs> 67.3 FM, we're always broadcasting on a loop 24-7. Sanctuary for all. Movies for all. Those who arrive survive. <laughs> so next week we're doing Dawn Treader. Alex, you said that the director of that movie made a James Bond. He he made a James Bond, I can confirm. And he made the one with Denise Richards in it. Yeah. Is Denise Richards in <laughs> the voyage of the Dawn Treader? Yeah, they they couldn't get they couldn't bring back Tilda Swinton. She was like, "All right, now <laughs> you're forcing it." Well, we can't get Tilda Swinton. <laughs> I guess we'll get Denise Richards next best thing. <laughs> well, the Jadis is kind of a wild thing, sure. Well, I sure Look, hope. J- Jadis is something of a nuclear physicist. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. They wanted to get her to play uh, Father Christmas Jones, but <laughs> they couldn't. She was busy at the time. <laughs> That's uh, I think that's all the time we have for today. Yeah, that's a podcast. <laughs> um, you can find us on Linux. <laughs> yeah, we did it. I don't Next know. I, I have been Tyler. I declare I, I've it. Been Alex. Oh, hey, I, yeah. New year, new sign off. I've been Britain. Um, be sure to tweet about the show using the hashtag Peep That Cheap. And we'll see you next week, guys. Uh, Like I said, I've been Britain, and you are having a good night.